eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. Welcome into another episode of Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside John Heyman today. And John, welcome back, man. It's been a little bit of time since uh, you, you last were on the show. I've missed you, Tony. Great to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, Let's jump right into it. We got a, a quite a bit to cover today. Uh, it, I think the first place to start is is the whole Tony La Russa, Chicago White Sox saga that um, seemingly blew up, and uh, it's it's hard to really understand why it's gotten to this point, but it certainly has already, John. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, people were looking pretty carefully at him right from the beginning. I remember when he was hired, I was asked about it on MLB Network. And while I think he's a, has been a great manager, he's obviously in the Hall of Fame, uh, very innovative, uh, won three World Series and three others. Uh, I thought it was a gamble at the time, uh, not because he's old, but because the game has changed. It's been 10 years, and it's it's not 2011 anymore. and uh, you know, the players just do not fear the manager. I mean, I know when you were a player, maybe, you know, the players might have feared the manager a little bit more. Uh, it feels now that the players do not feel the, fear the manager, even if he's in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, they expect some kind of protection. They certainly don't expect to be ripped. And uh, he seems to expect them all to be on his side, no matter what he says, critical of somebody on his team. And I, I think that's a mistake. And I think he's going to have to adjust. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I to me, it's just a it's a bad hill to die on. It just seems like Tony is is pretty adamant. And listen, I understand it. I I played in that era where uh, the game was a little bit different, and managers' um, words had a lot more weight to them. Um, I think I don't think I know the game has changed since then, and. and since Tony was last uh, a manager in this game, all of a sudden players are, are empowered now. They they don't have to allow teams or managers to control the narrative of how things are, are, are going to be handled. And uh, I think Tony's experiencing that for the first time. And even as he says said the things he said, 
he still had guys in his clubhouse uh, publicly disagreeing with him via Instagram, via through the media. I mean, it, it, it and so yeah. it, at, at yeah. some point, I think you're right, John, he, he's going to have to adjust because it, these players don't seem like they're, they're backing down by any means and they still got a long season ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, the players are the stars. There's no question about that. And after the players being the stars, the front office are the next stars. The manager right. is kind of looked at as middle management now. And in most places, I'm not sure exactly how it's done there, but I think in the majority of places now, uh, the front office has very strong input. Maybe not make out the lineup card, but they, you know, they give a very strong hint of what the lineup should be. I think in the older days, and not that long ago, because it was only 10 years ago when he was managing, uh, yeah. the players felt that the manager had the control of the lineup card and were afraid to say anything for that reason. But I mean, it was, to me, unusual, but maybe, you know, I've been in the game the last 10 years, unusual for him to criticize, not only criticize his own player, but then basically back up uh, the reliever yeah, on the yeah. Twins, Duffy, for yeah. throwing at his own player. Uh, you know, I, I can never remember LaRusso doing that in the past. Uh, certainly spoke his mind. He certainly uh, was willing to criticize players, uh, but to really compliment the other player who threw it. Now, now Duffy, to his credit, threw behind the legs of uh, right. the Yerminator. Right. Uh, but he didn't. <laughs> I, I mean, that's all the credit. I, I don't like any kind of throwing at anybody. You can get hit and get hurt in the legs, too. And, uh, you know, and then when Tony said that uh, his players would back him up, basically, and they didn't. None of them really came to his defense. They're all on the side of the Yerminator. Um, you know, the other issue there is the unwritten rules. You know, I, I'm not a big believer in unwritten rules anyways, but maybe maybe they need to be written down or disregarded or something. Uh, I think Tony was under the impression that, you know, if it's 3-0 and and you're up 10 runs, you're not allowed to swing. Uh, I had Elias do some research. It doesn't happen often. I think 467 times the last 10 years uh, was there a pitcher on the mound with a 3-0 and count uh, down 10 runs or more. And, just one uh, time. Well, this uh, three times total. Three. This is the third time. Three. Johnny Peralta, 2013. Clint Frazier earlier this year. He fouled it off. This is only the third time. So it has happened before. Those players were not criticized by their manager. Aaron Boone did not criticize uh, Frazier. And in this case, the Yerminator hit a home run, which is really the goal. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Take pitches until you're out. Only single to right. I mean. I don't know. To me, these unwritten rules, uh, it's interesting, but I, I would get rid of them. I don't know. Uh, it is rare, but, you know, I, I would add another unwritten rule. If if a pitcher a pitcher is taken out and they bring in a position player, uh, all bets are off. You know, yeah. what are you all, supposed all to bets do? Are, all bets are off. That's I that's agree. the thing. And that's, that's the thing. And I, as far as I can remember, it's always been that way. Nobody, nobody in their right mind who is – playing at the big league level is just giving up and at bat. All this goes on the back of your, your baseball card when it's all said and done. Yes. And not only not only does it go on your baseball card, it also is held over you in arbitration at some point if you are lucky enough to get there. So yes. th there's th it just makes no sense at all. And that's why it's for such a, a an intelligent individual like Tony Russo. I mean, it, it is mind-blowing to me why 
he is continuing to go down this path. And I, I, I will be watching, as I'm sure everybody else will be, uh, how this kind of unfolds moving yeah. forward. Because this isn't happening at the end of the season where maybe you can have a reset at playoff time. This is at like the beginning of the season. So there's so many games and, and things that can happen in between now and then that uh, yes. will make them a, a, a big watch moving forward. I mean, there's been many stories already, and, you know, I don't know if they're going to stop. The Chicago is watching carefully, no question about it. Uh, you know, this was the one man's hire, Jerry Reinsdorf. He owns the team. I don't know that anybody else in that front office was on board with this. They certainly did not have a say, I don't think, in this one. Um, you know, this was his greatest regret was uh, when he had the two, when he had Larusa and Harrelson was his GM, Hawk Harrelson. They weren't getting along, uh, Harrelson and Larusa, and he had to pick one or the other, and he was right to do that, but he picked the wrong one. He stuck with Hawk. Hawk was a great announcer, but not a good GM, and Tony Larusa became a Hall of Fame manager. He regretted it, but sometimes you make a mistake and you have to live with it. He tried to undo it 30 years later. I mean, we still have time. We'll see how it works out, and there is time because uh, I do believe, although they don't announce the length of the contract, that he did get a three-year deal, and I I, you know, I would bet that he's pretty darn safe for those three years. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is not going to fire him again. So uh, they're going to have to learn to live with each other in Chicago. And I, you know, I mean, I thought Tim Anderson uh, had some good comments and uh, disagreed in a lighthearted way. And I, 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 I think and I hope unless there's another episode that they'll be able to put this past them. But I think the players handled it well. I agreed with them on everything they said. And uh, I mean, they didn't kill Tony, but they made it clear that they're behind the Yerminator. Look, listen, I, 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 I d certainly don't think it's by any means out of the question that they can they can bounce back from this because ultimately, as you mentioned, Tim Anderson really responded in a way that leaves some 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 daylight where you know there's a some middle ground there, and then with Tony's kind of ending ending it the way he did, saying you know everybody they're entitled to their opinion, I'm entitled to mine. That's that that can all be true. And, and you know, what it ultimately boils down to, John, is wins. If they're winning ball games, none of this will be a, a big issue. But you bring up a good point in terms of Reinsdorf. He, he's he's one of the, the originals, you know, at least talking back into, you know, when baseball was different. He's still one of the owners left uh, around and he probably. And not more probably, he's probably guaranteed to be safe at this point. Because as you yes. mentioned, Agreed. this was a mistake. He felt like this was a mistake that he had a chance to redo. So I, I don't think he's going to uh, be pushed away from that decision very easily. Let's move on to uh, some other news. And, and really, it's not even really news. It's more getting prepared for this offseason. Because it's going to be a big one with some of the big biggest name shortstops uh, we've seen in quite some time come off the board here. But... Uh, they are being outshined by maybe uh, a, a, a tier below, it seems like, John. Yes, absolutely, Tony. Uh, at this point, I mean, we know the big four shortstops. There used to be five Lindor signs. So the big four are going to be free agents, Baez, Correa, Story, and Seager. I mean, they're all playing okay. They're all doing fine, uh, heading toward free agency. Uh, all big stars. But right now they are being outshone by two other shortstops who will be free agents, and those are Marcus Simeon and Brandon Crawford, uh, both with 11 home runs, one with an 878 uh, OPS, that's Crawford, and Simeon 879. So uh, those OPS uh, totals are higher than Baez, Correa, Story, and Seager at the moment, and uh, it's interesting 
to see how this uh, free agency is going to play out. I mean, to me, Seager is going to look for more than Lindor. Story will look for more than Lindor, I think, too. Um, those are just my supposition, but I think so. Baez and Correa are going to look for huge monster deals, over $200 million, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, Semyon and Crawford won't get that kind of money. Certainly not Crawford. He's 34. The other guys are all uh, in their late 20s. Um, but, you know, I mean, Semyon signed a one-year deal, and he's making it right in Toronto. They love him there, and uh, he's going to do pretty well. But it's interesting now. You could almost say we have a, a big six, not a big four. Yeah, no doubt. I think Marcus Simeon's value is just skyrocketing right now, the way he's playing. If he could continue to play like that through the end of the season, uh, he, he's gonna he's gonna find a, a nice bag of cash at the end of this uh, this journey he's 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 on right now. But I, I'm gonna be closely watching Seager uh, uh, and, and as well as Correa and Bias because uh, Bias see he had a big night last night with the homer, two run shot in, in on Sunday night baseball. Uh, but he struggled uh, a little bit this year. Correa, Correa, and and Seager. Seager's out for you know four weeks at, with the with the broken hand, and and, and Correa's has been as you said they've been all right. They've been fine. But yes. uh, this is a this is a big time. Uh, these are the seasons that you know usually guys have their best season. It'll be interesting to see if they can start getting it going with, C especially Seager, who was off to a pretty good start, and, and, and then obviously breaks his hand. How will that affect him when he comes back? This Dodger team uh, is starting to play some pretty good baseball. Yeah, the Dodgers too. look pretty good. You know that out there. Padres also looking good. But uh, Seager was off to a decent start, but uh, had that big postseason last year, the World Series MVP, LCS MVP, and um, I'm expecting him to do quite well. And same with Story, who, like Baez, had the game-winning home run last night. He's going to do very, very well. Uh, Baez, you know, he's really swing and miss. A lot of, uh, a lot of hits, a lot of misses. And uh, very interesting and different player, uh, incredible defender, uh, great flair for the dramatic. And, you know, uh, you know, people focus on all the strikeouts and swings and misses, but his OPS is 802 right now. So he's not doing so bad. He also has 11 home runs. Correa, I think, is an exceptional talent. And uh, he could play third and short. Simeon has proved he can play another position second base this year as well. But... Uh, Correa is an exceptional talent. He's kind of flying under the radar. He might be the end up being the bargain of the group. I think as it gets hot, all these guys are going to get hot. I think as the weather starts to heat up, as we see, yep. it, I think everything will kind of turn. Now, what about trade markets? Uh, I know it's still we're still pretty early. It's hard to uh, really, you know, distinguish between contenders and pretenders, especially like the group that's kind of borderline. It's kind of hard to distinguish those guys, but. Uh, if you had to pick some teams, who do you think would be, who do you think would have a need to uh, add some players, position or pitcher? Yeah, well, I mean, almost every team has needs, especially with all these injuries. But you're right, it is early. I would say this though: some teams have had so many injuries in the outfield that it's obvious what they need. The White Sox, Mets, and Yankees, multiple injuries in, in the outfield. Obviously, the White Sox with Jimenez and Robert both out. The Yankees have had several outfielders out. The Mets. Uh, have been starting uh, Fargus, uh, Lee, and Mabin uh, in recent days. So their outfield is almost all out. We thought they had great depth. Uh, I mean, those are the three teams, uh, contending-type teams, that jump out right now with an obvious need. Uh, Delano DeShields, who's been in the minors with Texas, uh, doing well. Uh, 
talented guy who can bring something to the party has uh, been talked about, I'm sure, with all the teams, but certainly with the Yankees, as was reported um, first by Ken Rosenthal. But uh, my understanding, no surprise here, obviously, the price was high. Uh, I don't blame Texas. Uh, they've got three desperate teams looking for outfield. So right now, outfield is really uh, the key interest early. Um, difficult to trade an outfielder, though, and so much parity. There's you know, basically three or four teams that know they're not going to contend this year. You know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Detroit, you know, that's basically it. There's so much parity around the league that almost anybody else can build a case that uh, they may be in it. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of early trades, but if we do, it will be probably for an outfielder or two. Yeah, you mentioned the Mets. I mean, I saw at one point seven of the nine guys who started on opening day were all injured and out of the lineup. And it's amazing that they've been able to to keep yes. pace the way they have, despite all of the injuries. I look at a team like Philly, uh, too. They could add uh, some guys to that squad, particularly on the pitching side, always looking really to add uh, there. That's been a, a weak spot for them at, uh, over the last couple of years. But you're right. As we said, there's, there's just too many. There's, there's just not enough separation yet uh, in terms of being able to really tell who's out there uh, and, and who may need to uh, add to their team? How about from a closer standpoint? Because we came into the year yeah. with some with some with some question marks, but some guys have kind of uh, kind of brought themselves to the forefront in terms of availability and and who could be on the move as a closer. Yeah, you know what? I think Ian Kennedy might be the top closer out there on the market. I mean, he was out there as a free agent to Texas, dived in, got a nice bargain deal, did a good job. He has been fantastic in that closer role. There are a lot of teams that are going to be looking for him. I, I do think Texas ultimately will be a seller. I didn't include them with the bottom three, but I think they're a seller this year, most likely. So to me, Kennedy is the most obvious guy. I mean, if Kimbrell were out there, yes. But to me, the Cubs are probably a contender at this point. They're up two now, uh, over 500. Going into Pittsburgh, they look better. Obviously, Brian has been really good. We talked about Baez. Kimbrell's been fantastic. He, he's got it back. He's not throwing as hard as he used to. But, you know, if, if they do become a seller, and you never know with the Cubs, they sold Darvish when we least expected it. Um, you know, they look like a potential contending team, and they, they traded away their best pitcher. So, uh, I mean, Kimbrell's out there. He, I put him above Kennedy, but he's probably not. The other guys, I've got a list of five guys who I could see being out there who are closers showing they can close uh, Rodriguez with the Pirates. People don't see too many Pirates games, but he's got uh, good control, and uh, he's done a nice job for them. Graveman, uh, Kendall Graveman, is after bouncing around, he's got a 0.00 ERA, doing a nice job splitting the closer role in Seattle. Um, you know, pretty good to have a zero ERA as we head toward June. Uh, Valdez, who throws about 85 miles an hour with Baltimore, but gets the job done with a changeup. Um, obviously, Baltimore is going to be a seller. Uh, Iglesias with the Angels. I mean, they're you know struggling and Trout's out, so I could see Iglesias uh, being traded again. They just traded for him in the off season, but I could see that. And then you know, if the Nats do become a seller, and I'm very skeptical about the Nats selling. They didn't sell when they were terrible in 2019. Yeah. Then won the World Series, so that's right. You know. That's right. That's kind of a lesson for them. Might as well try to hang on, particularly in that division where there's so much attrition. I mean, you mentioned the Mets are a miracle to be where they are, but 
nobody is much over 500 at this point, uh, you know, including Atlanta, which I think you and I both picked and like and thought they were a really good team. And they've had injuries too. Um, but if they do sell, obviously Hand is a, a fine closer, proven over years. So I got that's a half dozen guys who can close for teams. So that's that's not a bad market. And as I said, I think Kennedy's probably as a surprise at the top of that market, assuming Kimbrell holds with the Cubs. Now that Rod, I got I've seen Rodriguez throw for Pittsburgh. He, he's been pretty lights out all season long. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely see him being on the move, considering where where Pittsburgh is already. Uh, in that central how about starters top starters who who, everybody is focused on Max Scherzer yeah much much like you just said for Brand Hand they didn't sell when they were bad before so I have a hard time seeing Max Scherzer go anywhere but uh is he a guy on the list yeah he's on my list but I I think it's a long shot Uh, you know and we thought so more likely in 2019 when they played more games and they looked really bad and uh, came back and as we know won it all so uh, I'll, I'll be shocked if Scherzer's traded, but he's going to stay on the list. Uh, John Means is it would be number two on the list just in terms of quality. Fantastic pitcher, three years to go, a lot of control there. The Orioles love him. They knew what they had. The Mets and several other teams came after him. They didn't budge. It would take a ton to get him, but, I mean, Baltimore's got to consider everything at this point. They do have some good prospects with Edley Rutschman and some others. Their young outfield with Mullins, pretty good. Uh, you know, they may not be that far away. I don't think they're four years away, as means it's got almost four years to go. So uh, it would take a ton, but he'd be number two on my list. Uh, Kyle Gibson got a year to go with Texas, so I think they'll probably hang on to him as well. But he's having a great year. They can get a lot for him. Uh, Colorado's got some guys. John Gray having a good year. Marquez has got a decent contract and very talented. Pittsburgh's got Tyler Anderson, a nice lefty the teams like. Uh, you know, Minnesota at this point, you know, they're likely to be a seller. So, you know, I put Happ and Pineda on the list. I don't think they do Berrios and Maeda is uh, injured at the moment. So not too sure. They, there's really a ton there for them to do. Um, Matthew Boyd's been on the block since he basically got into the big leagues with Detroit. But to me, they're a seller. So I'll put them there again and we'll see about the Reds. They're hitting up a storm, but I mean, Castillo has not pitched that well. Uh, I mean, you'd be selling low on him, but uh, I could see it. And, uh, you know, they've got, obviously, Sonny Gray and some others. But uh, that's basically the list. And uh, the top of that list, I'm still banking that they stay put. So it may not be a great starting pitching list overall. Yeah, it it may not. And it'll be interesting because usually teams that are at the top of the contending list are hunting pitching. And it's usually starting pitching. We'll see where this market ends up shaping up. What a, speaking of starting pitching, in Cleveland, obviously uh, Shane Bieber is, yeah. is still is still one of the more elite pitchers in the game. Um, what do you think the chances of him happen, maybe moving to a different team this year? Yeah, I, I, don't, I just don't see him being traded. Uh, I think Cleveland will hang around that division. Their pitching is so good. I think they're still thinking about trying to lock him up. Now they, you know, they've tried twice and failed to do so. Um, you know, they don't want to get into a Lindor situation where they keep trying and keep trying and then they have to trade him near the end. I thought they did pretty well with that trade. Uh, they obviously weren't going to be able to afford $341 million, so they did the right thing. You know, I mean, they gave these offers to Jose Ramirez and he eventually took one. And, you know, that's the attempt going on with Bieber. And they'd love to see him uh, be locked up. Uh, he's obviously an ace, one of the best five pitchers in the game. And, uh, 
You know, it's going to be interesting to see whether a small market team can lock up a superstar pitcher like this. Uh, he's got the Rosenhaus brothers, uh, Jason and Drew. Uh, we know Drew Rosenhaus from football. Jason's the baseball guy. And, uh, you know, they're deal makers. They're known as deal makers in the NFL. But uh, they saw what happened with Ramirez and they saw what happened with Lindor. And obviously, uh, Lindor, uh, at least from a financial standpoint, got the better of it with the $341 million. So not going to be easy, but uh, Cleveland's going to keep working on it and uh, try to get Bieber done as a in terms of a trade, I, I doubt it. Uh, we'll see how they do. You never know. You know, there's so much parity in baseball now. You never know. But that would be a, a shocker, I think. All right, let's circle back to the Chicago Cubs because, you know, going into the season, based on some of the moves they made during the offseason, it seemed as though uh, they were on their way to, you know, basically uh, selling off the club. But they're actually some of these guys who they were thinking about moving are actually playing well. You mentioned Baez uh, is swinging the bat well. It leads that team in RBIs and homers. Uh, Chris Bryant was has been one of the big names that most folks thought could be on the move this year. Where where are we at with the Chris Bryant sweepstakes? And considering what the Cubs are doing, playing some better baseball this year, uh, could they hang on to him? Yeah, they could. I mean, that's one of the more interesting ones. Uh, Chris Bryant was on the block all winter, just as Lindor was, and Cleveland got the asking price. Uh, people thought that Jed Hoyer's asking price was high, and Bryant, turns out it wasn't, and somebody should have jumped on this because he's having a fantastic season at this point, a 1,050 OPS. Um, you know, they tried to lock him up a few years ago for $200 million or thereabouts, and uh didn't get a counteroffer. Um, he wanted to go to free agency, one of those players. Nothing wrong with that. Mookie Betts was the same way. Uh, you know, Lindor looked the same way. Both ended up signing when they got traded to a big market. Yeah. They were season. they were until they weren't. <laughs> exactly. Until they, until they were. But I don't, we don't see the Cubs uh, forking over that kind of money at this point. At least I don't. Uh, look, they had Darvish, and he finished second in the Cy Young voting, and uh, they thought that was steep. Now we were in a pandemic at that moment when they traded him. Maybe things will change. I, I've heard that he, that Brian and Hoyer have a decent relationship. You know, is it possible that they lock him up? I mean, I can't rule it out, but I mean, this is a guy who's wanted free agency. So I don't think the Cubs are going to be able to lock him up. Uh, is it a situation where he's traded and then gets locked up like Betts and Lindor, as you point out, I, I guess that's possible too, but uh, you know, in that division, the Cubs look like a contender to me. Uh, you know, the, Chicago lived through that white flag trades in 2000 and, uh, excuse me, 1997. It was a long time ago now where they traded uh, a bunch of players to the Giants, only two and a half games up. Right now, Cubs are in similar spot. We'll see a month and two months from now where they are. But, uh, you know. I, I I think they'd be in for a lot of criticism. They they lived through the Darvish criticism, but it would be pretty ugly if they're two three games back and did a big sell off. You know, I'm not sure teams can do that now that we have social media and Twitter and all that. So, right. uh, you know, not going to rule it out. He was on the block all winter, but he's sitting there with a 1,050 OPS. Jed Hoyer was right to ask a ton. He's going to ask just as much now, maybe probably more, and I don't blame him, but. Uh, you know, at this point, I would say more more likely than not, Baez and Bryant and Kimbrell, who we met, talked about earlier, they end up staying in Chicago. Yeah, it's it's is it going to be another one of the int more interesting stories to watch in 
in baseball as the season goes along. I think most teams just wanted to see Chris Bryant healthy, and it seems like he's finally yes. got to that place now, and you're seeing uh, a guy who's made some swing changes as well. Um, it looks like um, starting to kind of reap the benefits of uh, of being healthy and some changes he, he seemingly has made at the plate for sure. Yeah, absolutely right, Tony. You hit it right on the head. Tom Verducci did a very nice story on his – Swing changes. His dad, uh, Mike, who was a Red Sox minor leaguer back in the day, uh, helped him with that. And, uh, you know, he was the, one of the original launch angle guys, and he's kind of flattened it out a bit, and it's paying off. Yes, and he right, has. He is healthy. That is, that is a positive as well. All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Big Time Baseball. Until next time, we'll check you out. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.